We come now to today's message. And I invite you please to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew 28. Our theme is Tremendous Truths from After the Resurrection. We have been in a series of messages, Tremendous Truths from just before Jesus was crucified and risen, and Tremendous Truths during and from the resurrection, and now Truths from After the Resurrection. Please, Matthew chapter 28. As we begin to look into this part of God's holy word, the first truth, the first truth that I want to share with you that we discover is this. Be honest. Be honest. And this truth comes from verse 11. And this is where the report of the guard is given after Jesus is risen from the dead. The guards, some of the guards, end up going into the city of Jerusalem. And here is what it says. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. Basically, they told them that Jesus was not in the tomb. Jesus is risen. Verse 12. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. How about that? So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it Today, let's stop right there. All right, from what we just read, we derive this powerful truth be honest. How do we get this truth of being honest from what we just read? Well, I believe it's fairly obvious. Some of the guards who had been guarding the tomb where Jesus had been buried went into Jerusalem. They went there and they told the leading priests and the elders, the religious people, that Jesus had risen. They refused to believe the truth, however. They refused to believe the guards. And verses 13 and 14 say, they told the soldiers, you, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get into trouble. Think about it. The simple truth is the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day were not willing, they were not willing to accept the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and instead they were willing to bribe the soldiers with big bucks to spread the lie that Jesus' disciples stole his body while they were sleeping. That's what happened. One of the big tremendous truths that we certainly discover here is the need to be honest. They were anything but honest. All of us probably know what it means to be honest, but here is a basic definition. One definition is, for honest, or honesty is truthful, fair and just in character or behavior, not cheating or stealing, 
free of deceit and untruthfulness, marked by integrity. Proverbs 28, verse 6, says something very powerful. Read it out loud with me from the big screen, would you? It says, better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. And then writing to the church in Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. Read it out loud in unison. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. I want to praise God for the fact that I truly believe that many of you could say, as did the Apostle Paul, that you have been honest, that you are and that you have been honest and you will be honest towards everyone. I thank God for the many of you who truly are honest. I wish it wouldn't be necessary for any pastor to preach about being honest. However, the research is very disturbing. In the book, The Day America Told the Truth, I was shocked to discover some things that I still have a hard time believing, but this is what the research showed. I was shocked to discover that the researchers found that 91% of Americans lie routinely. Praise God, we're not Americans. <laughs> the study was done in the United States. But I would be very surprised if the figures would be very different here in Canada. That's the sad truth. When I say praise God, we're not Americans, you know what? God loves Americans, God loves Canadians, God loves Japanese, God loves, God loves no matter Brazil, God loves no matter where we're from, all right? But it is very painful to to come across research that says 91% of the people in a major country routinely lie. Now, listen to this further. Of the 91% of the people who routinely lie, think about this, all right? Let's go to the first fact there. 36% tell dark major lies. Now, what are dark major lies? That's for you to decide. Next one. 86% lie regularly to their parents. That's, that's not good. 75% lie to friends. So you thought your friends are always telling you the truth, huh? 73% lie to siblings. That's brothers and sisters. 69% lie to spouses. Whoa. Okay, can you go like that with me? Whoa. 81% lie about feelings. Ah. 43% lie about income. Oh. And 40% lie about something else. <laughs> well, just looking at the children in the front row here. 
Okay, that, my friends, if the research is correct, is very disturbing information. It is terrible. Frankly, I don't want to believe it. It is definitely not the way God wants us to live. But listen to how God wants us to live. Look at the scripture. Psalm 24, verses 3, 4, and 5. Read it with me. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Kids, I want you to read it with us now. Okay? Together. Ready? Here we are. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Also, let's look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 and 8, where the Proverbs writer says this. Read it in unison together, Proverbs writer. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. What a beautiful prayer for all of us. May that be your prayer and mine. Lord, help me never to tell a lie. <clears throat> I, wonder, I wonder if sometimes our honesty is tested. For, for example, this past week, I was in the neighborhood of a particular grocery store and I popped in to quickly pick up a few grocery items that we needed. Uh, I have shopped there on various occasions in recent years, and I've come to know some of the staff. They've come to know me. That store has a, has a section of freshly cooked uh, chicken, freshly cooked sausages and ribs, and beautiful choices of vegetables. Um, their, their previous sign was no longer up, and so I was afraid that maybe they raised the prices. And so I asked, I asked how much a chicken leg with vegetables cost, and the server said $6.99. That's $6.99. Now, I knew it was going to be an excellent hot meal at a reasonable price, and so I ordered one to take with me to pay at the cashier with the few other grocery items that I had. The server gave me the wonderful hot chicken leg and hot vegetables in a beautiful plastic container, and she stuck the price on it. Went to her little machine, you know, and made the price and, and stuck the price. As I started to put the container in my buggy grocery cart, I, I just happened to look at, at the price, and it said $2.50, $2.50. Now, I knew she told me that it cost $6.99, and it was too large of a meal, and it was too lovely of a meal for the price to be $2.50. Obviously, I took the chicken and the vegetables out of my cart, and, and I, I took the container back to the server, and I said, my friend, I think, I think you made a little mistake. You told me the cost was $6.99. 
She apologized and she put the correct price tag on it and handed it back to me. No big deal. At first, at first I thought it was a simple mistake which the server made, which can happen. Sometime later, however, I was just thinking about it. Sometime later, I thought about the fact that uh, due to previous grocery shopping visits to that store in the last few years, I am almost certain that that particular server knows that I am a Christian minister. She knows who I am. And since the incident happened, I said to myself, I said, huh, I wonder, I wonder if she deliberately put the lower wrong price on my chicken and vegetables to see if I would be honest and give it back to her to correct it. I am curious as to what, what you think. Are you following me? I'm curious as to what you think. And so I'm going to ask you two simple questions and, and ask you to put up your hand. Here, here are the two questions, okay? Don't put up your hand yet. I'm just going to ask you. This is no trick question or anything like that. The first question is just going to be, did the server make an honest mistake when she put 250 on the chicken leg and vegetables instead of... Six ninety-nine, And then the second question will be, was the server testing Pastor Nick's honesty? So this is just a question of interest for me. You understand? Very simple here, right? Okay, so first of all, how many of you think, put your hand up, put your hand up if you think number one, did the server make an honest mistake when she put 250 on the chicken leg and vegetables instead of 699? Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Okay. Okay, that's good. Okay. How many how many of you wonder about number 2? Was the server testing Pastor Nick's honesty? Was the server testing? Wow. Wow. Oh. Because of previous visits and discussions or talks with her. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. There are probably one-third of you, one-third of you who put your hand up in terms of the honesty issue. So, uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't know what the real answer is, but I do know that God wants you and me to be honest in all our dealings. Amen? By the way, radio listeners, just for your interest, when I did that little survey here, about two-thirds voted for number one and about one-third voted for number two. Okay? So the bottom line here is, for all of us and for you baptismal candidates, please remember, as Christians, you are, we are, to be honest. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. All right. Okay. All right, let's go to a second tremendous truth, and it is this. Don't give in to negative pressure. Don't give in to negative pressure. The guards gave in to the pressure from the religious leaders to lie about what really happened at Jesus' tomb. 
And we see this in verse 15 because verse 15 says, So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. You know what? I kind of feel sorry for the guards. I feel sorry for the guards and the kind of lies that they would have had to keep telling people. Think about this. Think about this. I wonder if a couple of days after Jesus' resurrection, one of the soldiers crossed paths with, with someone who probably said something like this. Maybe they said, uh, what is this we hear about Jesus' tomb being empty and Jesus' body gone missing? I can imagine this person staring, staring at the soldier in disbelief and saying, do you really mean to stand there and tell me that all of you 12 soldiers, or whatever was the number, that all of you soldiers remained asleep when some fishermen entered the garden, and that while they moaned and groaned to push aside the huge stone blocking the tomb, while they entered the tomb, and while they carried out the corpse, none of you men even, even so much as woke up? Some sleepers you must be. Then a few days later, I can imagine the soldier being met by someone else who had also heard the story that the soldiers guarding the tomb had fallen asleep and that Jesus' disciples had stolen the body so that uh, they could say he rose from the dead. I can imagine the man saying to the soldier something like this. He perhaps said, what kind of guards are you people? that you actually allowed all this to happen. I've always learned that guards were supposed to stay awake. And then finally, the real bombshell, this person, this person after looking at the soldier in, in sheer disbelief, uh, says to him, he says something like this, he says, do you really expect me to believe that you yourself and all the other soldiers, all the other guards who were supposed to be on guard, do you really expect me to believe that you were sleeping? Well, if you were sleeping, if you were sleeping, then how do you know what happened? You got it? If you were sleeping, you would not have seen anybody enter the garden and carry away, carry away the body. So how could you be telling the truth? I really wonder how the soldiers were able to live with themselves in the weeks, months, and years afterwards. My friends, the bottom line is the soldiers gave in to negative pressure. In your life and in mine, there will be times when you will be pressured, you will be pressured, children, you will be pressured to say the wrong things and or to do the wrong things. Make a decision. Make a decision to do what is right. Baptismal candidates, don't give in to negative pressure. Got it? Got it? Amen? Let's go to a third truth. 
Become a wholehearted worshiper of Jesus and stop your doubting. This truth comes out in verses 16 and 17. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. When they, worshiped, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. My friends, whether it was the disciples and others who might have been there, whether it's you and you and me, there comes a time when you and I, when we have to become wholehearted worshipers of Jesus and stop our doubting. Amen? It's amazing that it says, after all that they saw and experienced, but some of them doubted. There comes a time to stop your doubting and to say, Lord, I surrender all and I become a true, full worshiper of yours now and forevermore. Amen? There's a fourth beautiful truth, and it is this. Read it from the big screen. Be encouraged by our Lord Jesus' incredible authority and power. This comes out in verse 18 because in verse 18 it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now that speaks to me, that speaks to me about Jesus' incredible authority and power. And our soloist sang that last song so beautifully, reminding us of this truth. There is power in the name of Jesus. He has authority and power. Be encouraged by that. So whenever we face situations, joyous times or heartaches, we can call upon the name of our Lord Jesus. We can call upon his grace and mercy and power. Children, young people, as you're growing up, remember, remember, you have a beautiful connection to our Lord Jesus, his mighty power and authority. You have the authority to call on him and to pray. You and I have the privilege of looking to the Lord. And as Rob and his wife gave the testimony this, this morning, when things look hopeless, there is hope because of the authority and the power of Jesus the Nazarene. Amen? Amen? Let me take you to a fifth beautiful truth. It is this. Be eager, number five, be eager to help others become disciples of Jesus. And this comes out from verses 19 and 20 where it says, therefore go, Jesus is speaking, and he says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. What are we be being told there? We're being told to be eager to help others 
become followers, become disciples of Jesus. What does it mean? What does it mean to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? What does it mean? In a few minutes, we're going to be baptizing a wonderful group of people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, here's the answer. Sometimes we say, that car, that car is in the name of. Do you have a car? Do you drive a car yet? No. No? I'll have to talk to your mom and dad about that and say, mom and dad, make sure he doesn't drive till he's 16. <laughs> no, it's good that you don't have a car because you're too young. But the reality is, the reality is, a lot of you here have a car. And we would say that the car is in the name of. If ever you're stopped for some reason, and I hope you're not, if you're ever stopped by a police officer, officer might, might say, sir or ma'am, uh, whose name is this car in? And you would say, well, it's in my name. Other times we would say, we would say the, the house is in the name of, and you would give your name, for instance. And what this means, what this means is that that house or car belongs to that particular person. That car or house is owned by that person. It is his or her property. Archaeological finds from the first century reveal that something, if something was in the name of a particular person, it, it meant pretty much what it means today. Therefore, when a person is baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it essentially means you are publicly declaring that you belong to all that God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are publicly declaring that you, you are owned. You are owned by God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You belong to the King of kings, Lord of lords. Amen? Be eager, be eager, baptismal candidates, everyone, be eager to witness and to help others to belong to God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? And here's the sixth truth I ask you to take with you, and it is this. Rejoice in knowing that Jesus is with you. This uh, is spoken of in the very last part of verse 20, Matthew 28. Jesus is speaking, and he says, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Baptismal candidates, be encouraged. Rejoice knowing that Jesus is with you. Congregation here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, radio listeners, rejoice in knowing that Jesus is with you when you truly surrender your heart and your life to him. And so the question is, have you surrendered, have you given your heart and your life 
to our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to bow your head with me. And if this prayer expresses your heart's desire, would you pray it, please? Would you pray it, and then would you determine that you're going to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, and next time we have a baptismal service, you are going to be some of, some, some of those in the group who will be baptized. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for wanting me to have a relationship with you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for adopting me into your family. I want to truly become a disciple of yours, a disciple of Jesus. And I want to live my life honoring and pleasing you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.